Lord Jesus, uh, would you give us fresh eyes? Lord, would you give us the ability to see what you're doing? Uh, Lord, would you give us the ability to partner with you uh, in kingdom life? To partner with you in advancing the kingdom. Lord Jesus, we need you here this morning. We need you every minute of every day to work in us and through us, to change us, to mold us, to make us more like you. But God, especially for this time right now, we pray, would you come and do what only you can do? Would you transform hearts and lives this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, if you've been with us over the past few months, really since the fall, uh, we have been talking about kingdom life. Uh, Everything we've done has kind of been through this lens um, of why we exist as a church. We believe as the Alliance Church, we exist to see every person involved in kingdom life. Kingdom life, real real quickly, means this. There is a king. It's not you and it's not me. And we are to serve and love that king. Kingdom life means this. God is king. Through Jesus, he brought his kingdom to this earth. And he's been living it out through his people ever since. We're to be citizens of the kingdom, obedient and loyal to the king. And we're to be ambassadors of the kingdom. We're to help move the kingdom forward. So everything that we've been talking about has kind of been through that lens. And nothing's changing. As we move forward for the foreseeable future, we're going to stick with this thing of kingdom life. Honestly, I hope you hear it so much you kind of want to puke. That means we're starting to get through. We forget quickly, don't we, church? Oh, only I forget quickly. We forget quickly, don't we, church? We need reminded. We have to keep coming back even weekly and being reminded, why are we here? What is it we're doing? Because we'll lose sight. We'll get stuck on, I like this, I don't like that. This made me feel good. This didn't make me feel good. And we'll end up just kind of meandering. We need to continually come back and be reminded of why we're here. To see every man, woman, and child involved in kingdom life. So we were talking about that in the fall with the idea of spiritual gifts. We spent about three months just kind of walking through, looking at the different spiritual gifts uh, that the scriptures talk about, all in the, the lens of kingdom life. God has called us to serve one another in the kingdom, and he's given us unique, powerful gifts to use as we do that. Then after Christmas, we talked about community. Like, community is kind of tied in with the kingdom. You can't have a kingdom with two people. You get it, right? There has to be a community there. And if we're going to be good at kingdom life, we have to be good at community. Loving one another, serving one another, bearing with one another, bearing each other's burdens. The picture that Kim shared of people knowing that our family, we were down one member and bringing food and even volunteering it. We didn't even have to ask. That is a beautiful picture of community. We see a need. We're going to go meet the need to the praise of the king. It was beautiful. And now as we continue to move forward. I was having a conversation um, actually with a couple different people in different places, and they were all kind of culminating on the same thing. And it was this idea that in order to be a good kingdom citizen, and in order to be good at advancing the kingdom, we have to be healthy. We have to be healthy people if we're going to be good at kingdom life. Does that make sense? It kind of seems like you shouldn't have to say it. But there has to be this certain level of health if you're going to be good. I have to be healthy enough to serve you. 
If I'm unhealthy, I have nothing left to give. Does this make sense? We have to be healthy if we're going to be good kingdom citizens, and good kingdom citizens advance the kingdom. So I started looking up definitions for health. And Webster had a couple different definitions. And the first one, I think, is something that most of us would go to. Is Webster defines it as health is the absence of sickness. You got ahead of me, Chris. There it is. Health is the absence of sickness. Which, most of the times, that's what we would say. Yeah, I'm pretty healthy. I'm not sick. If I'm sick, I'm unhealthy. And most of us would stick with that. And it kind of makes health this kind of baseline. If you think about it as like on this continuum, there's positive 10 all the way to negative 10. That definition would say health is kind of a zero. It's a neutral. I'm, I'm not sick, so therefore I'm healthy. And most of us kind of live that way of going, well, things could be worse. You know, like I'm, I'm healthy enough. Are you doing the things you need to do? No, but I'm not sick. So I'm good enough. But then Webster had this other definition of health that really just caught me. Go ahead, Chris. Health is a condition in which someone is thriving. I like that too, Scott. <laughs> it, it throws this whole neutral thing out of there. It's not just the absence of something bad, but health is a condition in which someone is thriving, growing, maturing, moving on the positive side of the scale. Not stuck somewhere in the middle, just neutral. Well, at least I'm not sick. When we talk about kingdom health, when we talk about health, we're going to go through over the next couple months and look at different areas of our life. This is the definition of health that we're working for. An idea of thriving. Now, the thing that I like about this is the condition in which someone is thriving. It doesn't, say, it doesn't put qualifiers on it. Like if you're going to be physically healthy, you have to lift 100 pounds over your head. Some of us are going to be able to do that. Some of us aren't. I mean, I probably could. But, you know, some of us are never going to be able to. Some of it, like, it doesn't say health is reaching this benchmark. It really leaves it where we can individualize it and go, what does thriving look like in your life? What does thriving look like for you? Because it's going to look different for me. We have different backgrounds. We have different makeups. We have different passions. We have different family lives. All of these different things. But the question is, like right now, would you describe yourself as thriving at life? It's a fair question. You don't have to answer now. That's okay. God has called us to thrive as kingdom people. Look here in John chapter 10. Jesus is telling this, this parable of the great shepherd. And he's basically going, look, you guys are all sheep and I am a fantastic shepherd. Let me tell you what the shepherd is like. And he says this, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus says, look, so I'm a shepherd, you're the sheep. There's thieves coming at you. We have an enemy of our souls who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us in any and every way he can. That sickness, move us on that negative side of the scale. We have an enemy that not only wants to make your life a little bit hard, wants to destroy but then we have a good shepherd in Jesus Christ. And he says, but I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. This is the Holman Christian Standard version of the Bible. There's a lot of different versions of the Bible. I kind of pick and choose as I'm going through. I'll try to tell you when, when we're on a certain one. This is the Holman Christian 
In the NIV, it says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The New Living Translation says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus didn't come just to put us back at neutral. There's an enemy and I'll kind of keep him at bay and you guys just do the best you can in the meantime. He says, I came to give you life and in case you missed something, life abundantly. Life to the full. That word abundant literally means excess. More than you can handle. Full and overflowing. Jesus said, I came to give you more life than you can handle. Where it's spilling over onto other people. That's how much life he came to give. He came to make us thrive. Not just get by. Again, I look at my own life and I ask the question, am I thriving? When people look at my life, do they see abundance, full and overflowing? Not typically. There's, I, I have a lot of room in my life. As we walk through all of this, at no point in time am I going to stand up here and go, I have all this figured out. You guys just need to do what I do. There's going to be some things that we talk about when it comes to this idea of health and thriving, where I go, I'm going to tell you straight up, I am not good at this one. And actually, we're going to hear from some other people. Um, I have some people that are going to come up here and they're going to share with us from their experience because I'm not healthy in every area of my life. Hopefully, I'm moving toward it. I'm trying to be. But I don't want you to hear it all like I've got it figured out and you guys, oh, you're not thriving. We're in this boat together, church. But we have been called to thrive. Jesus has come to give us life abundantly, life overflowing now, some people hear that, and some of you, if you're paying attention, you may have clinched a little bit. Because if you go on the internet, if you turn on the TV, if you go to the bookstore, you're going to find some things where it talks about the life that Jesus came to give and how, how, what a full life looks like and how everything is good all the time. That's called the prosperity gospel. And it's this gospel that says this, Jesus came to make your life feel good. And if you do what's right, if you have enough faith, if you give enough, if you all of this stuff, Jesus will pour out every earthly blessing. You'll be rich. You'll be healthy. Uh, you'll never have problems in life. And if you do have problems in life, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And it's this really nasty gospel that is out there. Again, you can turn on the, the TV and you can find this pretty easily. That is not at all what I'm talking about. Do you want to know one of the only things that we're promised in this life in the scriptures? You go to every book in the New Testament and read through it, and you know what you're going to find? Suffering. Look at the life of our great shepherd. Don't read the last chapter. How did it go right up until then? Crucified. Killed. Sinner's death. Killed like a criminal. By their own logic, we'd have to look and go, man, he must not have had much faith. Things didn't go well for him. Let's look at everyone that followed closely after him, his disciples and his apostles. Beaten with sticks, stoned to death, thrown off a building, beheaded, crucified upside down, boiled in oil. They must not have had much faith. Things didn't go very well. Where were their blessings? What we find in Scripture is a promise of suffering. When we follow Jesus, and I'm just trying to be straight up, life will get harder. If you become serious about pursuing Jesus, 
If you become serious about living this life and life abundantly, you still have an enemy that desires to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's coming after you. And life will get harder in a lot of ways. We're promised that we will experience suffering when we follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We all suffer in life. Christian, non-Christian, everyone suffers. We get to decide whether we're going to suffer for a purpose or not. Whether I'm going to suffer following the king, or if I'm just going to suffer because life is hard and everybody suffers anyway. We're promised suffering But the beauty of the promise that Jesus makes here is that we're promised life that outweighs suffering. We're promised life that is bigger than anything suffering can throw at us. We're promised the life that Jesus had, which that life even overcame death. The enemy thought he won, stole, killed, destroyed, and three days later he was back. The life was that abundant. We're promised that same life that outweighs any suffering this world will throw at us. We're promised a joy in the midst of suffering. We can thrive even when physically sick. We can thrive even when in difficult situations, difficult family situations, difficult work situations, whatever it may be, when dealing with loss, we can still thrive in the midst of that. It might not look like dancing around singing all the time, but there is an abundant life that Jesus offers no matter the situation of life. Does this make sense, church? We can be healthy even if we're sick. That's a hard one to get your head around. But I can thrive no matter what life throws at me because the good shepherd has come to bring life and life abundant. So when he uses that word life there, most of the times when we think about Jesus and we think about Jesus bringing life, we think about Jesus helping us and changing us, we think about it in this spiritual realm, right? Jesus has come so that one day we can go to heaven and have eternal life, right? Right? Kind of a big one. Yep. Yes and amen. But oftentimes what we do is we say, and that's the only reason that he came. Jesus came just so that we could pray a prayer be, be good people. We could read our Bibles. We could pray and go to heaven one day. And that's a misunderstanding. This idea of life is, is manifold. Manifold means many-sided all at once. When Jesus came, he wasn't just spirit. He was a man. He had emotions. He had relationships that he was working with. He had a physical body. He had spiritual relationship with his father. He was many-sided all at once. And so are we. We've been made in his image. We are physical. We are mental. We are emotional. We are spiritual. We are relational beings. And Jesus has come to bring life abundantly to all of those areas of our life. Far too often what we do is we kind of put Jesus in a box. And we go, let me tell you the things that Jesus cares about. Did I pray? Did I read my Bible? Did I go to church? Did I cuss at anyone? That's kind of what Jesus cares about. The rest of the stuff, Monday through Saturday, as long as I'm not blatantly sinning, it's kind of just my own. That is not life in the kingdom. Jesus has come to bring life physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, spiritually, to every area of our life. He's calling us to thrive. He's calling us to have health. 
we have this sacred-secular division. Have you guys ever heard those words before, sacred and secular? We do it a lot of times with music. Well, this is Christian music and that's secular music. And we have these divides that run through all these areas of our life. Well, this is God's money, this is my money. I gave God his time in the morning, now the rest of my day is mine. Kind of idea. Sacred, what he cares about. Secular, what he doesn't care about and I'll handle on my own. All life is sacred. I've said this before. If you would have gone to Jesus when he was walking on this earth and you would have said, so tell me about your spiritual life. He would have been real confused. What are you talking about? All life is spiritual. Like everything I do in my day is an act of faith, is spiritual. It's all meant to be partnered with God and it, it's everything. It's all encompassing. It's all sacred. There is nothing in our lives that God just doesn't care about. That's on you. You figure that out. He's with us in every single area of our life. So most people say, you know, if we're going to get healthy, if we're really going to grow and become the people that God wants us to be, that we should start with the spiritual. What you need to do is read your Bible and pray. Do that and everything else takes care of itself. Right, church? No. You're learning. Good job. You ever tried to read your Bible when you didn't sleep the night before? How's that work out? Not very good. Not, not so good, right? You ever been just overwhelmed with life uh, at work? Just overwhelmed with it, and then you come home, and you try to be the kind of maybe father that God is calling you to be? Pretty tough, right? When all the patience is gone, and, and the, the energy levels are low. When emotionally you're just spent... Now to come and do the things that Scripture tells you to do, pretty rough. It's all tied together. We are manifold beings, many-sided all at once. And it's all tied together. To think that how you take care of your physical body isn't going to affect you spiritually is a lie. To think that not going through and dealing with emotional wounds from your past and these things, but you'll be able to be everything Jesus wants you to be in the future, is a lie. All of these things are tied together. Unhealth in one area drains health from the other areas. Does this make sense, church? Every area impacts the others. The kingdom of God is meant to impact your entire life. There is not a minute of your day, there is not a thought that goes through your head, there is not a dollar in your wallet that the kingdom of God is not meant to impact. And God is calling us to live an abundant life in every one of those areas. Chris, we put up the, the picture. I made this. It took about an hour. Uh, <laughs> This is not my, guilt, my gift, but this is how most of us would describe a healthy Christian. I even have a pointer. Spiritually, why are you laughing? This is money. Spiritually, we would say just put all your time and energy into that. Just read more. Just pray more. Just go to church more, and you'll become healthier. Physically, eh, Jesus doesn't really care how many times you go back to the buffet. Don't, don't worry about that. Just read your Bible more. Emotionally, that stuff's kind of messy. And so let's not worry about that. Let's, let's not look back. Let's not deal with things in our past. 
Just pray more. Just join a, a small group and that'll fix it. <laughs> Mentally, I mean, yeah, we, we should do a lot of reading. And so we, we appreciate smart people, right? Financially, eh, we don't look a whole lot different from the world. And most of the time we're okay with that. And you should have some healthy relationships. Most people would look at this person and go, he should be an elder. She should be leading some kind of ministry. Man, they know so much about the Bible. They read so much. They pray so much. The rest of their life looks pretty mundane. But they know a whole lot about the Bible. Think of these. Uh, a guy named Dan Scarrow used to do this. with. Uh, he was better at the illustration. But he said, think of these as like pillars, foundational pillars for a building. You're trying to build on top of this. And health is what we're trying to build. How is that going to sit on this? We are not going to have a, a healthy building. We're not going to have a healthy foundation. This one thing by itself cannot support the weight of a healthy life. Cannot support the weight of everything God is calling you to be and to do. Eventually, you will run out of energy and you will quit. Eventually, your emotional wounds will overcome you and you'll be done for. The weight of financial like burden is massive. It will overcome us. If all we're doing is just read more, just pray more, just go to church more. That's all Jesus really cares about. The rest of that, I mean, go for a walk around the block if you get a chance, but it's not really like a biblical thing, right? That's not really spiritual, right? I'm, let me tell you guys, I have been working out for about nine months now, more consistently than I ever have in my life. And it's not because, man, I just love working out. And I'm not trying to get swole. And I'm not like, I have not a single goal like that. I haven't stepped on a scale in about a year. I don't care. What I'm looking at is going, I want to be the man that God is calling me to be past 60. I don't want to get to the point where I'm 60, can't get out of bed, have heart problems, whatever it is. And so I'm, fill, I'm filling up that physical bucket trying to get that thing up because that supports me spiritually. That buys me more time to be the husband, the father, the grandfather, the pastor, the neighbor that God is calling me to be. At the end of the day, when I'm tired and it's been a long day and the energy levels are low, it used to be come home, sit on the couch, and I'm not moving for the rest of the day. Now, I have some energy to play with my kids. I have some energy to go outside and talk with my neighbors. They all tie into each other. I have spent the last couple years dealing with emotional wounds from my past and father wounds and all of this stuff. None of this is in my notes. I'm just going. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And it's messy. And I don't have all of the answers yet. But I know that if I don't deal with those things... They will take me down. It's a matter of time before I throw in the towel. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too hard. We have to put in work in every area of our lives if we're going to become the healthy people that God is calling us to be. It's not just read your Bible and pray more. Just go to church more. Again, you cut that piece out and go, okay, so I'll hit the gym and I'll start seeing a psychiatrist but I've stopped reading my Bible and praying and being in community, you're even worse off. It's got to be every area. God wants to bring health, to bring thriving into every area of our life. Is this making sense, church? You with me? Okay. 
So next I'm going to use one of the, if I can say this, unsexiest words. It's one of the least inspiring words, but it's something that we have to keep in front of us. Kim's laughing. She's probably wondering what word I'm going to say right now. Here, you guys ready for it? It's moderation. Boy, that'll sell books, right? Who's going to see that movie? Moderation is not something that we're drawn to, but if we want to be healthy, we have to embrace it. All the books that you're going to see, all the stuff out there, it's selling essentially get rich quick, get skinny quick, get healthy quick. Just, just follow this diet plan for six weeks and boom, you're in. Just read this one book and man, you're emotionally healed and everything's great. Just give to the church more and oh, financially, blessing, no problem. Everything is get rich quick. It's our culture. If we're really going to do this for the long haul, if we're really going to become the healthy people that God has called us to, we're going to have to slow down. We're going to have to take small steps. And at times it's going to feel not grand enough and not big enough and it's too middle of the road. But that's what wins in the long run. In, in Ecclesiastes... Let me set this up before I get to this. We're going to read in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you guys want to turn there, it won't be on the wall. We love this. In America, we are drawn to excess. One side or the other. We're drawn, we love words like always and never. Think of the diets that sell out there. They tell you always eat this and never eat that, right? That's what sells. You want to get fit? Always do this, never do that. This is what sells. This is what we're drawn to. But here's what we find in Scripture. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What, what always and never did we see in there? What we found is this. The, the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us there's a time for just about everything. There's very few always and nevers. I'll tell you, there's some things that Jesus lays out and says, look, this is sin. Lust, adultery, gluttony, like these different things. Lays out. These are sin. Run from these. Put these to death. He says extreme things about those. The rest of it, he says, walk with me. Don't give in to, to getting pulled to the extremes. Let me give you an example here of, of having to live in the middle of some of these extremes. Which one is God more for, discipline or grace? It's not what I read. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that God disciplines those that he calls sons. And in fact, if he doesn't discipline you, you're an illegitimate son. But yet Jesus came, John chapter 1 tells us, full of grace and truth. Wait, so if I have my kid and they tell me a lie, they break relationship with me, and now as dad I have to step in, which one do I choose, discipline or grace? 
Is there one that's always right and one that's always wrong? There isn't. I have to walk somewhere in the middle. I have to trust the Holy Spirit and I have to say, God, I need you to lead me here. Which season is this? Is this one where I have to come down hard because we're trying to nip this in the bud? Is this one where I need to come in and sit down and go, whoa, 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 let's just talk. There's something deeper going on here. Because let me tell you, you choose always discipline. Discipline's always the right answer. You become a tyrant. Many of us had fathers like that. And it did not go well. But you always choose grace. I'm never going to discipline. It's always okay. I always just forgive and forget. And let's just move past it. Your children become tyrants. There is a balance somewhere in the middle. And listen, again, it's not going to sell books. It's, it's, it's in it for the long haul. It's constantly walking with God and going, okay, wait, how far is too far right now? Okay, when it comes to my physical health, where do I land right now? Do I need to go on some special diet? Is this something where I just need to make some small changes? Where are we at now for this season? When it comes to emotional health, again, is this something where I just need some people around me to pray? Do I need to go and see a professional? Is this like, where are we at, Lord Jesus? And it's walking with him through the middle. It's following him. It's the hardest thing you will ever do, which is why most of us are not healthy. But I look at John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the branch, you are the vine. You stay connected to me, and you're going to bear fruit. You stay connected to him, you allow him to guide you through all of these paths we have to navigate, and he says you'll bear fruit. What we like to do is this, though. Come to the scripture, get a verse that says, always do this, and go, sweet, thanks God, I'll see you next time I have a problem. And we just go running through our lives. What it takes truly to be healthy is to bring all these situations, and we're going to spend time talking about each of them. So right now it kind of feels like we're, this is the 30,000 foot view. We're going to kind of really come down and talk about our physical life, our mental life, our emotional life, and, and how we be healthy in those things. But for now, I'm just trying to prepare you. I'm not going to give you some diet plan. I'm not going to give you this book, and if you'll read this in the next six weeks, you're good. I'm not going to give you some giving plan and go, just keep doing this for the rest of your life, and you're set. What I'm going to do in all of these is encourage you, go seek the Lord with it, and find out, Lord, what's right for me right now? And more times than not, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. We have to do this thing called managing tension. Andy Stanley, a pastor down in Atlanta, talks about it like this. He says, not everything is a problem to be solved. Some things are a tension to be managed. They will never go away. You're never just going to be able to go, okay, my answer is always yes. And now problem solved. I just don't have to worry about it. There's always a tension that we're going to have to manage. How many of you work outside the home in here? I do. Okay, good. Some of you. Good. So what should always win, work or home life? What? Right? Just because your kid has a baseball game, you need to quit your job and go? We go, no, that'd be silly. The, the Lord says work at, with everything we do as unto the Lord. He says that what we do with our hands is vital to the community, to how he made us to be. Our work is important to us. But then he also said that the way that we train up our children, that the way that we treat our spouses, the way that we build our home is top tier important. Does one always trump the other? I always say yes to work. No, workaholic. 
I always say yes to home. I'm homeless because I don't have a job. <laughs> We're called to manage that tension. Lord, in this situation, is this one of those times when I have to tell my family, hey, you know what? There's this really important thing at work that I need to do, and I got to be there late tonight. Or is this one of those times when I tell work, you know what? I've said yes too many times. I'm going home. I don't care what it costs me. We have to manage that tension. It's never going away. But if we're going to be healthy, we have to keep kind of navigating this in between. Does this make sense, church? All right. Man, I love, this, I love that picture from John 15. Because it seems like, how am I going to make every decision? And there's so many decisions I have to make in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year. It seems exhausting. But that picture of Jesus where he says, I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Just cling to me. Take every one of those situations. Okay, Lord, you're calling me to take some steps with my physical health. How far is too far? How, what, what steps are you calling me to take? I'm just going to trust you and walk accordingly. Trust in that if I just keep clinging to the vine, I'll bear fruit. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that that was not as clear as it could have been. Uh, but Lord, I pray that you would just speak to the hearts of your people. That you would give us something to take away from this, God. That you would begin uh, over the next few weeks just to show us what it is you're doing in our lives. That you would show us areas where we're not thriving. That you would show us areas where where we're sick, areas where we've settled for mediocre, but you're calling us to abundance. Would you begin, God, just to, uh, to peel back the veil that we'd be able to see what's really going on in our life, that you would begin to raise up next steps for us, and God, that we would just be diligent to walk with you in them, not taking some marching orders and running on ahead, but as Paul says, keeping in step with the Spirit, walking through this life, and God, that we would receive life that is truly life, that we would, we would receive life and life to the full through you that carries us through the good times and the bad. And God, that people would see that life overflowing out of us and man, they'd be thirsty for some of it themselves. May we be good kingdom people because we're becoming healthy kingdom people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.